This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we've watched a lot of stuff over the last few weeks, so we're going to sift through that pile and give you our recommendations for some cool shows and cool movies. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun, and as promised last week, I will have a review of the Barry Jenkins film, If Beale Street Could Talk. That Jeff Braun's a man of his word. In fact, we've got so much to talk about this week, we're going to skip the news from the couch and start with this. And the Golden Globe goes to Bohemian Rhapsody. The winner is Green Book. Hollywood Foreign Press, thank you guys. For 45 years, you always surprised I'd me. like to, t- to thank my mother and my father. Oma, Abba. We have to follow our dreams. We have to say, I can do that. And I should be allowed to do that. Thank you to uh, Satan for giving me inspiration on how to play this role. was that thanking Satan? Christian Bale for playing Dick Cheney in Vice. Ah, yes, that's right. I was (laughs) trying to remember because I remember seeing that headline and think, well, that's odd, but he's an odd fellow. He had the most fun speech of anyone. He doesn't take it very seriously, so that was kind of, which is weird because in every movie he's so unbelievably serious. Yeah. Yeah, but he he got up there and seemed to enjoy himself and his win. And a lot of people were surprised to hear his accent because... He's Welsh, but he doesn't always speak like he's Welsh. No, yeah, every time I see him in an interview where the, the accent comes out, it sort of catches me off guard, but I, it's not that I forgot that he's from not the United States, but it uh, well, he, he, all of his movies, his accent is always so good. And when he plays an American, when he does interviews about those movies, he keeps that accent. So when he was interviewed, you know, when he was doing press for Batman, he used his American accent. Oh, really? So that's why see, that's why you've seen him plenty of times speaking as himself, but without his real accent. Gillian Very Ander- weird. Yeah, Gillian Anderson does that when she is doing press for a Exiles show that she was doing. No, she was doing that, that show, The Fall, which is uh, out of the United Kingdom where she plays a cop chasing a serial killer, and she plays a British agent, and... I saw her doing press where she was speaking with a British accent, and I thought, are you nuts? <laughs> but I guess that's just a the thing they do. I guess so. so. Maybe it makes it fun for them, keeps it interesting. I don't know. They're keeping there they go. to help them with their practice. <laughs> Whatever. So Bohemian Rhapsody, big surprise winner in the drama category, I think. Well, everyone thinks. The yeah. guy the guy from Bohemian Rhapsody thought so as well. He that's said, right. This was a surprise. Yeah, he didn't think it had a chance. I I'm pretty sure I declared on this show that it had no chance that a star is yeah. born. Would and likely... you've seen it, and you enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Star is Born just, it ticks every single box of an award-winning movie. It seemed like it should be far and away the biggest winner of the night, and it was far and away the biggest loser of the night. It won one award for one of the songs. Yeah, that's right. Original song, Shallow. Could be that Bohemian Rhapsody was just a more upbeat movie, a more inspirational film. And, I mean, that concert, again, I've said this before, but that Live Aid thing, man, it is so good. I don't know that any of the artistic merit actually played that much of a part. All the stuff I read this week seems to be that it's just the guys that made Bohemian Rhapsody just schmooze the Hollywood Foreign Press better than anyone else. Really? Yeah. 
that it's just shameless politics went into play here. Ah, well, that makes sense because <laughs> it didn't. I don't think it deserved to beat uh, *Star Is Born* or the other movies that were nominated. And another thing about *Bohemian Rhapsody*, something weird they're doing this weekend. They've they're re-releasing it. I mean, it's still in theaters, but they have re-released it in select theaters throughout North America. But so far, from what I can tell, it doesn't look look like in Canada. But they've re-released it so that it's a sing-along edition where it'll have the lyrics come up and you follow it along like karaoke. That's fun to sit through, listen to strangers that's beside you in a movie theater singing along. I would hate that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't care for it too. But I'm sure a lot of people would dig. I wouldn't it. go to it in the first place. Yeah, I guess under certain conditions you could enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, so, anything else jump out from you from the globals? Well, uh, the, the globals. Did I just say the globals? The globals. Global news and global TV are friends. <laughs> yeah, the globals. Well, as much as Bohemian Rhapsody was a surprise in the drama category, uh, the Green Book was a surprise in the comedy or musical. That didn't. That there's a lot of blowback to that movie. There's all the behind-the-scenes stuff that uh, there's a lot of people have problems with for whatever reason. And it, it's also it's not really it's not it doesn't seem like it's serious enough to be a proper art movie. You, you know what I mean? And especially now that it's you know seen to be one of the front runners for the Oscars, people are concerned about about that that these other arty movies aren't getting enough recognition. And something like Green Book is. And and I enjoy Green Book. It was a fine movie, and I thought the Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali he won uh, for best actor in a supporting role. They they are great in it. They're great together in it. It is it's just a crowd pleasing movie. But I guess that's the problem. Is it's a crowd pleaser and people are looking for high art to be winning these awards. Okay. And I see that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won Best Animated Adventure, so that's pretty cool. Looking at the TV side... You must be happy. Well, my, my, yeah, my show, The Americans, won Best Drama. So I was very excited about that because it had its series finale this year. And like I said, it was it was a great series finale, especially, especially the final episode. So that's justice for The Americans. I enjoyed that. I looked at the rest. I got a, We got the list here in front of us of all the winners. That's of everything else on the TV side, I haven't seen any of those other shows. Not one. <laughs> really? I've seen The Americans. Everything else, couldn't tell you a thing about it. I have intended to start watching this Kaminsky Method show, which won Best Musical, a Comedy, and as we heard in the montage at the beginning there, that uh, Michael Douglas won for Best Actor in a Comedy. So I've been looking to get into that. That's on Netflix, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, the... Uh so Killing Eve is a show that aired on Bravo, and I believe you can get it on Crave if you want to watch that. Bodyguard, so Sandra Oh won Best Actress right. She's in a Drama for too. Killing Eve. Uh, Richard Madden won Best Actor Drama for Bodyguard. Musical or Comedy went to the Kaminsky Method, unseating The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which won last year. But Rachel Brosnahan won for Best Actress for that show. Uh, and I haven't seen it either. I have seen Bodyguard, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. Limited series went to The Assassinated of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. I didn't watch the crime story this year. I did the last time when they did right. the O.J. The Simpson story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't watch this one. I just had no... I couldn't get interested in it, but apparently it was excellent, so I'm sort of regretful. And then this next one, I didn't hear about it until my dad told me about it. Patricia Arquette winning for limit actress in limited series or movie made for television for Escape at Danamora. That's about that prison break a few years back in the States where this woman who worked at the prison was harboring these guys. And she plays oh, that woman. And they were up in the hills or whatever and they were missing for three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, 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 I didn't know that it even existed. I'd never, yeah, I didn't hear about it until 
Patricia Arquette was walking up the st- stage. Huh. And then uh, Sharp Objects was an HBO series, and uh, Patricia Clarkson won on that one. So, And then something called A Very English Scandal won Best Actor Supporting Role, Limited Series or Movie Made for Television. Ben Wishaw winning there. The other interesting note back in the film is the foreign language film. The Roma won that. Oh, yes. And Alfonso Cuaron won for Best Director, period. He directed Roma. He also won an Oscar a few years back for Gravity. And the, that's the thing is... This will, Roma will probably get a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. It wasn't eligible for Best Drama at the Golden Globes because it's in Spanish. And oh. they've, got a, they've got a very strict, it has to be in English or else it's this Best Foreign Language category that they got. So so that's what a lot of people are sort of, especially like the snobby movie guys like me are like, oh, okay, at least something of quality here still won. And it would have won Best Drama if it had been eligible and all this sort of business. So, And it's on Netflix. You can watch it. It's a good film. I, for me, it was a little bit long and there, I had a problem with uh, part of the ending, just the, ugh. It's, I don't want to, no spoilers, but I'm at a point in my life now where if I see children in distress on screen, I don't enjoy it at all. And there's a, there's a scene that involves that and I just couldn't get into it and it made me very upset and it took away from my enjoyment of the film. Wow. But anyways, it's a great looking movie. It would be, uh, Alfonso Cuaron has got to be, I would say at this point, a lock to win best director because I don't, obviously... A Star is Born isn't winning everything, so I don't think they'll give it to Bradley Cooper. Yeah. He might still win Best Actor, but I don't think he'll win Best Director. I think it'll be Quaron. And uh, sorry to keep bringing up the Oscars, but come on, this is just the pre-show for the Oscars. Yeah. Five, four of the last five winners of Best Director have been Mexicans, including Alfonso Quaron. Yeah. So they could go five of six now if they win this. And that's sort of interesting just in the era of Trump and the wall. To, to, guys from Mexico keep winning this. Because he will have won it twice, Inaritu won it twice in a row, and uh, uh, Del Toro won it last year for Shape of Water. The only guy who wasn't a Mexican in the last six years to have won it was Damien Chazelle, who won for La La Land. That's right. Those three guys, Alejandro, Gonzalez, Inaritu. For Birdman and The Revenant. Yep. And uh, Guillermo Del Toro for Shape, Shape of Water. Water. Right. And Coron before that for Gravity and probably this year for Roma. Okay. So, oh, and uh, one more note about the Oscars. They've decided... To go without a host this year after That's that nuts. whole Kevin Hart thing. It started to look like he might be coming back, but for the first time in 30 years, the Academy Awards will not have a host. Oscars, by the way, broadcast drew its smallest audience ever in 2018. So then what does the beginning of the Oscars look like? They'll still have to do something special up front, but I guess... What, because it's going to be 15 minutes shorter now because there's no monologue? I don't know. Maybe they'll get Hugh Jackman to come out and do a song and dance with Jack Black and, uh, uh, was it Will Ferrell? Remember when they did that song a few no. years back? <laughs> really? No. Yeah, Will Ferrell and uh, Jack uh, Black came out and they did this song mocking the Oscars for not including comedy in their proceedings. And then John C. Riley came out and told them that they need to do both comedy and drama. Oh, yeah. As he does. Yeah, yeah he's very funny. good at it. Huh. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. It was the highlight of the Oscars that year because it was stuffy as it always is. Yes, hey, yes. up next on home video, one of the Golden Globe winners is coming home. We'll tell you what that is next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We said a Golden Globe winner is coming home this week. What movie is that? It's called The Star is Born. Maybe it's down the 
it's time to let the old ways die. Music is essentially 12 notes between any octave. It's the same story told over and over. All any artist can offer the world is how they see those 12 notes. You ready? That's pretty deep. I forgot about that. Yeah, Sam Elliott. He was, he was under the unsung hero of that movie, I think. But Yeah, he was really good. He was. And, of course, Bradley Cooper stars with Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. Um, also out this week, didn't win any Golden Globes. A lock to win Oscars, though. It's called Hunter Killer, and it stars Gerard Butler. It's a submarine action movie. Yeah, that's right. Hey, it's your boy, Gerard Butler. Gary Oldman's in it, too. I'm actually sort of tempted to watch it. Once Upon a Deadpool is out. That's that PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 where he uh, brings Fred Savage and kidnaps Fred Savage and puts him in the Princess Bride set to make him basically reenact that whole thing. Really? Yeah. (laughs) So he's like reading the story of Deadpool to him while he's got him tied to the bed. Oh, I see. So I just actually watched Deadpool 2 a couple of weeks ago. It's not bad. You didn't mind it? I, I, I liked it. I didn't love it as much as the first one, but the first one was such a surprise, and the second one just felt it was almost too much. What about the X-Force? I was... Uh, did you see the movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, always, without spoiling it, I, know. I will say that I did not expect them to subvert the whole superhero team the way that they did. It that's, just did not go the way I thought it was going to go. That's what was bugging me about you not watching it. I was like, I want to talk to him about the X-Force thing, but he hasn't seen it yet, and I don't want to spoil it for him. So, yeah. Yeah. so those movies are all coming out With, on digital HD. Yes. As well as one more. Oh, yes. A horror favorite. You can hide from Suspiria. Yes! Suspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. I love that last part of the clip because he's actually pointing out that the final 12 minutes of the film aren't yeah. as good as the Less first exciting than the first hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> but that is just the most insane movie trailer I think ever. Blu-ray DVD, there's at least one here that I know you're going to be excited about. Um, we'll call it The Old Man and the Gun, a movie starring Robert Redford. Apparently he's very good in it, uh, and he said it's his last movie, so there's that. Okay. I know Sissy Spacex in it as well. And the new Halloween's out on hard copy, as is uh, Once Upon a Dead. All right, let's have a quick peek now at what is coming to your television this week. What do you got? New on Friday, out now. Now, season two of Friends from College on Netflix and a new show on Netflix called Sex Education, in which a high school kid named Otis channels his sex therapist mother when he teams up with rebellious Maeve to set up an underground sex therapy clinic at school. That is the description I found on the internet. I looked for a clip and didn't feel there were any that we could really air on family radio. So that's that. Okay. On Saturday, it's the season finale, only the ninth episode of the Alec Baldwin show on ABC. Talks to Jerry Seinfeld, and then I think the show is about to be canceled. Yeah. On Sunday, January 13th. Here's where the money comes this Sunday night. Season 3 of True Detective is back. Well, Detective Hayes, could you tell us your timeline of events? Two kids, supposed to be home by 5.30, never arrived. Almost had a clean night, man. My job. There's no certainty. My whole brain's a bunch of missing pieces. 
Whatever you think you did or didn't do, you don't deserve to suffer. I want to know the whole story. Starring Mahershala Ali, early word is not as good as season one, much better than season two. Some finales as well on Sunday on Showtime and Crave, it's Ray Donovan. On Fox, it's Rel. And on Bravo, it's Dirty John. A new show on Monday on Fox, it's called The Passage. The first time I saw them was in a dream. And I was afraid of what they are and what they want and what I might become. I wish I knew then what I know now. That they should be afraid of me. The Passage, coming this January to Fox. And Google tells me The Passage is about a secret government medical facility experimenting with a dangerous virus that could either cure all disease or cause the downfall of the human race. On Tuesday, January 15th, on The CW and Showcase in Canada, a show called Roswell, New Mexico. And then what's on Wednesday, January 16th? On Sci-Fi and Space, a new show called Deadly Class, about a bunch of disillusioned teens who learn the deadly arts. Oh, cool. That sounds fun. Deadly yeah. arts. It's not as cool as Suspiria. Suspiria. Up next, Jeff reviews If Beer Street Could Talk. <laughs> You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. I went to the theater this week to see a movie. I told you last week I would, and I did. It's called If Beale Street Could Talk. You ready for this? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. You know I love you. No matter what happens. I'm yours and your mind and that's it. Beale Street is director Barry Jenkins' first film since 2016's Moonlight, which right now is my vote for Best Movie of the Decade. It won Best Picture at the Oscars eventually that year, and he won an Oscar for co-writing it. If Beale Street Could Talk is based on the novel by James Baldwin. It's set in the 70s and tells the story of a young Harlem woman, Tish, played by Kiki Lane. She's in a bit of a jam. Her fiancé has been wrongly arrested, and she is with child. We are drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fonny's baby. <laughs> I hope it's a boy. <laughs> Come on over here, daughter. You're a good girl, and I'm proud of you. Don't you ever forget it. And who's gonna be responsible for this baby? The father and the mother. Why don't you in my arms? I gotta hold our baby in my arms. We'll find a way. The dude is played by Stefan James. Tish's mom is played by Regina King, who won a Golden Globe last week. Love is what brought you here. And if you trusted love this far, don't panic now. Trust it all the way. Just remember. Be home soon. 
I was jacked to see this one. Like I said, Moonlight is an all-timer, so I was excited to see what Jenkins would do next, and he doesn't disappoint. Beale Street, of course, isn't as good as Moonlight. It would be foolish to expect that. The bar's just too high. It is pretty terrific, though. While Moonlight was structured as three one-act sections, uh, Beale Street takes two timelines and cuts back and forth between them, but the time separating the two timelines is very short. The early timeline is the courtship of the young couple, Tish and Fani. They are young. They're in love. They're looking for an apartment which is easier said than done for a young black couple in New York in the 70s, by the way. The second timeline is set after Fani is arrested for a crime he did not commit and revolves around Tish and her family's efforts to get him out of prison and also at the same time deal with her pregnancy. So basically it's two stories, a lovely love story that benefits from Jenkins' style. There are some very poetic visuals here, the voiceover or just soundtrack playing while the camera glides around them or when they look straight down the barrel of the camera lens, also a lot of vibrant colors. It all mixes together together and creates this nearly hypnotic experience at times. It's just great stuff. So that love story alone I thought was worth the price of admission. It fills your heart and then the other story breaks your heart. It's the story of a black man being railroaded by the justice system and it's just brutal. Never mind whether he committed the crime or not, but just getting a fair trial. There's a crossover scene sort of in the love story timeline where Fonny bumps into an old friend of his on the street, an old friend who was recently released from prison. It's an amazing scene that starts with their happy reunion and over the course of the next 10 or 15 minutes spins into this discussion of what haunts some of these men who've been screwed over by the system like that. It's an interesting theme with this year's crop of award caliber movies, actually. Uh, we were talking about Green Book before. It's a race relations movie and it's a crowd pleaser and it has a hopeful tone to the race relations and that movie was made by white people Beale Street and Black Klansmen for example also deal with race relations they're made by black people and they have a decidedly different attitude towards it and I don't think Barry Jenkins or Spike Lee will soon change their attitudes if Green Book keeps winning all the awards if Beale Street could talk we'll hopefully win a few more awards along the way I would certainly vote for it in a number of categories and I'm giving it four and a half couch cushions out of five bread I just watched Black Klansman this week, actually. Oh, you did? Finally got to it. Yeah, I loved it. Wasn't it awesome? Yeah, although it ended like on a really surprisingly yeah. serious very note. Very serious. Yeah, that's what's weird. It's Because it's very entertaining, and it just proves that you can make an entertaining movie that isn't, you know, sad and syrupy all the way through or whatever, even though you're talking about very serious subject matter. Yeah, no, it was good. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. I think I rented it on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah, because I don't have access. I was staying at my girlfriend's. She doesn't have cable. Uh, doesn't have a PVR. And it was not on Netflix yet. So I'm like, Sweet. well, where can we get this? Oh, it's on YouTube. So What was the quality like? The video quality? Like, was it high def? Did it look high def? Yeah, it was It was. It was actually ultra HD. Ooh. But I don't have... It's not a, it's not a 4K TV. Uh, so I just cast it from my phone. And it worked great. Nice. So, yeah, it was amazing. I highly recommended uh, The Black Klansman. And four and a half couch cushions out of five, once again, for if Beale Street could talk. So we both watched a ton of stuff over the holidays. Uh, Jeff, I know you watched a whole pile of movies <laughs> that we're going to try to discuss, including In the Line of Fire, which I think is great. Yeah. Clint Eastwood. Oh, my God. Yeah, I hadn't seen it in years, but I, it often, when, as soon as someone mentions it, like 12 different images just flood through my head. And so I was like, I saw it on Netflix there, and I was at my parents' house. So I was like, yeah, let's watch this. Right. So it was also, when you're at your parents' house, I don't know how it is with you. Uh, with me, I, there's a limit on sort of what I can watch just because 
they get nosy or whatever, and then uh, I still need an earful of, well, what are you watching? Oh, that's terrible and all this stuff. So I don't need, need something with a ton of bloodshed in it, for example. And I knew that there's going to be, you know, it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Somebody's going to get shot. Yeah. But I, I also know it wasn't like terribly, not like Die Hard or something like that. So well, so it worked good. And also I know my dad likes Clint Eastwood and like he might actually sit down and watch something here for, if I have this on. I would never have that problem. Uh, Smash Gordon, my dad, he would really. He would he'd join in no matter how violent it is. My mom doesn't like movies with punching or swears in them. Oh, she, there's like a very limited set of movies she can see. Well, then she would not like this. <laughs> this is a series, one of the series that I watched over the holidays. These plots do not always arise from outside. Some fester within. Been a copper, I've been a soldier. For what? Politicians, cowards, and liars. What is she up to? You need to find out. How do you reckon she'd feel if she got a toast? You cannot keep pretending you're okay. This is a very dangerous politician. Someone's got to stop her. Oh, please! Get down on the ground! There's been an inside man all along. Looks like the Home Secretary couldn't be in safer hands. Bodyguard, the Golden Globe-nominated series Bodyguard, released in the fall, late October, I believe, on Netflix, and I was hooked in the first five minutes. The first 20 minutes are gut-wrenchingly tense, and the finale is truly electric. And it's a twisty story as well. Like It's only six episodes. They're each about an hour long. But the way that the story was going, it looked like it was going down one road, a rather predictable road, and then boom, it just veered so wildly away from that cool. that I had no idea what to expect or what to predict. So that was refreshing. Very exciting show all around. Great acting. Richard Madden won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Drama. Nice to see Rob Stark, the young wolf from Game of Thrones, get some recognition for his excellent work. Looks like there's going to be a second season, but they're saying if there is one, it's not going to be until at least... 2020. So the guy that played Rob Stark won a Golden Globe and was there and made a speech on the weekend? Yep. I had to watch that whole show and that never, I never, I guess I didn't recognize him. Well, it was I also, also didn't watch the show, so I probably just looked at my phone when he won. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was a very boring speech. <laughs> it was It was simple. He was gracious. He just, just I think he people was, thinking. Well, and it always makes me chuckle when, when people say, I, I didn't expect this, and then they look down at a sheet. <laughs> Uh, you had no, to expect it a little bit. Yeah, I always hoping for it. I always scream, you should have expected it. You had a one in five chance. Yeah, it's not that hard. No. Or it's not I shouldn't say that. It's not it's not necessarily so unlikely that you couldn't win. Look at what happened with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. So there you go. Anyways. Up next I'm gonna tell you about a show that I didn't know existed until I opened my phone and turned on Netflix and wow, am I glad I watched it. It's, I'll just say it's not from this land. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And as we have told you today, the both of us watched a lot of stuff over the holidays. But we haven't had a chance 
to talk to you about it yet because last week we had our January movie preview. The week before that, we counted down our favorite films of 2018. So now is our first real chance to tell you about all that stuff. The list is too long to get through all of it today. I already gave you one of the highlights. Bodyguard Season 1, the Golden Globe-nominated Golden Globe-winning series. Richard Acton, once again, won the Golden Globe. It was nominated as well in the Best Drama category. Another show that I was super excited about once I learned of it and once I watched it, here's a clip. Oh, but it's not in English, and that immediately is going to turn off a lot of people I know. It's called The Protector. And it's from Turkey. It started December 14th, 10 episodes, and they're shorter than usual. They range from just under a half hour to 45 minutes. That was cool. It defaults to an English dub when you first launch it. And I just don't like dubs. So I turned it off, turned on the subtitles, and just watched the show as it was originally created. And that allowed me to enjoy the show for what it is rather than be distracted by the awful English dub. And what an interesting show. It had a whole bunch of different things that I like. It had some supernatural elements. It had some superhero kind of elements. It had action. It had intrigue and just beautiful scenery. The cinematography in Istanbul... I've never watched, I think, anything that was set there. So it was really cool to be introduced to a part of the world that I know really nothing about. And the the story, fairly simple. It's about a regular guy who learns that he is part of a long line of protectors. And he puts, puts on this talismanic shirt that when he puts it on, it actually makes him invincible. And that allows him to take on the immortals, of which there are only one left. They are the blight of Istanbul, and it's his job to protect Istanbul from the immortal. And it might sound silly, like, oh, really? I'm going to watch a show from Turkey with English subtitles about a guy wearing a magic shirt who has to kill immortals? Yes, I think you should. And another thing I'll point out, like, it's kind of predictable, And we've seen a lot of this stuff before, but it was just fun and refreshing because it was from a different part of the world. And I can't recommend it enough. The Protector. I dig it. I watched a bunch of stuff. Uh, We'll talk about a a few of them. Uh, On an airplane, I got a chance to watch, finally, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Jumanji. Pick a character and you're that person in the game. What's going on? Where's my hair? Why am I wearing short shorts in the jungle? I don't have a top two feet of my body. Bethany? No! Wait a second. Where's my phone? So gnarly. That is a man right there. Don't cry. Don't cry. Jumanji. In 3D and real D 3D. Yeah, or also on the back of a plane on a six-inch screen. What a great way to watch a movie. Uh, When it came out, I dismissed it as a kid's movie, and then only heard good things from everyone who saw it, so I finally caught it over the holidays. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, It's fun to see The Rock play something 
different from what you usually see him play. I won't get all into it, but it's basically a body switcheroo movie and a nerdy weakling teen all of a sudden inhabits Dwayne Johnson's giant body. So The Rock has to act like he's scared and timid. And those are, you know, not notes that we've seen him play before. Jack Black, also fun, playing a little a teenage girl horrified to be in Jack Black's body. And Kevin Hart, loud as ever, still funny as the big buff guy stuck in Hart's shrimpy little body. It's a fun adventure movie. And I know, Brett, you passed on it because you said you hadn't seen the first one, but okay. the two are not connected at all. All you need to know is that there is a magic board game named Jumanji, and if you try to play it, trouble follows. It's the sort of thing that if it's on TV on a Saturday morning, I'm just going to leave it on while I'm doing stuff around the house. I'm glad I saw it. It's, it's, a, it's a movie. That, it's just a lot of fun. Cool. Okay. <laughs> you watched another one here that doesn't look fun. Oh, no. It's called uh, Inferno. It's the third and latest installment in the Da Vinci Code series. At midnight, half the people on Earth will die. He created a plague. This map gets a trail. I can find it. This is a labyrinth. Don't trust anyone. If I can break the code, we can stop this. We have less than eight hours to stop an extinction level event. We're a minute to midnight. Inferno. Tom Hanks back as famed symbologist Robert Langdon. He's joined this time by Rogue One's Felicity Jones. I didn't know she was in it when I started, so that was a pleasant surprise because I realized as soon as she showed up that, hey, I'm a big fan of hers. Unfortunately, the movie sucks, and it's uh, first it's super irritating. It goes out of its way to be gritty and shaky and intense, and it's just unpleasant to watch the first 15 minutes or whatever. Also, the main hook for Hanks' character this time around is that he has amnesia, which is the laziest way to tell a story. There were a couple of good twist along the way. I will give it that. And I legit enjoyed watching Irfan Khan's shady character at work later in the movie. Mostly, though, it's just constant exposition, a few very marginal action scenes, and it's just so hard to care about any of these people. And it's just not what you want from Tom Hanks. I kept thinking how tragic it was that he was in these movies. He deserves so much better. I've been hard on the series, and that's why. If it starred any other actor, I would just ignore it. But because these are Tom Hanks movies, you just expect a little bit more. Yeah, it's really too bad that he... Got stuck with this kind of boring dribble. But they're big hits, too, so it's not. I guess it's not that bad after all. You know what I mean? We got one minute left here. I should just mention that I did watch Bird Box shortly after it arrived. I mean, it's been out for a month now. It arrived on Netflix on December 13th based on a book. There's a very good chance you've seen it now because it's the biggest thing Netflix has ever had in terms of a movie. I thought it was okay. I thought it got off to a superb start, yeah. super tense. As it went on, it just started to drag. I think it was relying too much on flashbacks, and and I found the the present day story just kind of implausible. Mm. But it was a good thrill, a good renter, as they say. So, if you had paid money to see it in the theater, I would have. I probably would have given it two and a half. Uh. But because I watched it on Netflix, I'm going to lean towards three. So that's what Netflix benefits from. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. You can do that anywhere you find podcasts. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.